Welcome to the Magnum Rewatch Podcast. I'm Graham. And I'm Kathleen. We are from Loading Ready Run. We are farm fishermen. And we have been on a great hiatus because the fishing season really kicked up and we needed to go harvest the fish. We are acting, in fact, comedians at Loading Ready Run. We produce a variety of internet content for your delights. And we're, we don't know anything about fishing. No. We don't, but it's kind of relevant to today's episode. Uh, we have been on a hiatus. Apologies for that. It's been a very busy month. A lot of stuff going on. We feel bad that we were so good about warning you that we'd be taking a hiatus to go to Japan for three weeks. And then we came back and did two episodes, and then we're off for another three weeks, I think, as well. So apologies for that, but we're back on for the taking of Dick McWilliams. The taking of an average episode. Yeah. It's not great, but it's not god-awful. Yeah, that's fair. It's got a funny name. The Taking of Dick McWilliams. I feel like it, that was more dramatic in the 1980s. Really? I guess. Maybe they just didn't say it out loud. Maybe. But when you say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. The Taking of Dick McWilliams begins with shots of some people at a shrimp farm, which is actually the Kualoa Regional Park in Hawaii, but um, it's a aqua farm, as they call it. So they're farming shrimps. I feel like... Most aquatic farms are sort of in like deltas and stuff like that. Yeah, it's weird. They got these guys in the in sort of like waist deep water pulling a boom across, and it looks like you would you would see at a cranberry farm, mm. right, with all the cranberries floating on the surface, like surrounded by sort of grassy berms, and then these big sort of like f- waist deep flooded fields. Except I guess they're full of shrimp, apparently. Yeah. So we are told. Sure, it doesn't matter. It's not important. We see. A guy walking around, and he stops to talk to a lady who's taking some samples, and the guy... Now, Google this if you're not sure. Go look up a picture of Patrick Rothfuss. Oh, wow. This is what this guy looks like. You're right. He looks exactly like Patrick Rothfuss. He doesn't have quite the same amazing beard as Patrick Rothfuss. It's not quite as long, but it's similar. And he's coming up to this uh, sort of much younger, much more attractive Asian woman who you learn later is Japanese. So... This is Dick McWilliams. Yes. Uh, played by Guy Stockwell. Okay. Uh, younger brother of Dean Stockwell. Oh, from Quantum Leap. Yes, exactly. Ah, the, so uh, there's the... The lesser known of the Stockwell brothers acting uh, dynasty. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, But there's the Belisario connection. Yes, exactly. His longest recurring roles were Chris Parker in the series Adventures in Paradise in 1961. Okay. He played a variety of different characters on the Richard Boone show. Okay. And he was in an episode of Quantum Leap as well. As Dean Stockwell's brother? I don't know. The character's name was Jake Edwards. Thrilling. He was also on an episode of MathNet. Oh, well, I mean, there's the winner right there. Well, I like MathNet. I'm not being sarcastic. I guess it's hard to tell when I'm being sarcastic. He was in the episode that was sort of a parody of Rear Window. It was called The View from the Rear Terrace. How many children are going to get a rear window parody? It wasn't for the children. I guess it's the same way the Muppets have the Kardashians on for the adults. That's a depressing thought. Game of Thrones parody for the adults? Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Anyhow, he's talking to this younger Asian lady who happens to be, as we find out, his wife. And I'm like, wow, she looks a lot younger than him. So just out of curiosity, Graham, Mm -hmm. can you tell me what your Guy Stockwell was born in? Guy Stockwell was born in 1934. And Irene Yaling's son was born in 1946. All right, so she's 35 and he's 47 when this is filmed, which is not 
the biggest age gap in the world, but they look. They, he looks like in he, he's in his 50s. She does look like she's in her sort of early to mid 30s. I thought it was strange. Like, I thought that the casting was weird. This actor looks weird. I don't know. Maybe that's just how dudes looked in the 80s. Considering we find out that he's a guy that Magnum met in the military 10 years prior, in the Navy 10 years prior, he does seem a little old. Like, it's totally reasonable that you would have someone even 20 or 30 years younger still serving with someone, you know, that much their senior at the same time in the Navy. But they certainly weren't peers. Yeah. I don't know if any of this is relevant. I think it's completely irrelevant. I just thought it was a weird casting choice. So anyhow, they're going. They're t- going to talk about... His wife says nothing during this scene. It's, it's weird, She's yeah. She's so quiet. There's no dialogue for her. He's just sort of talking at her. And he says, oh, I forgot how beautiful you are. Let's go out for dinner. La, 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 la. And then he suddenly gets kidnapped. Like some guy comes up in like a blue sedan. He has like the pantyhose mask, whereas your face gets all squished. Yeah, he's like a generic sort of looking Hawaiian dude. And then, then he throws Dick McWilliams in the trunk and they take off. And yells, don't call the cops if you want to see your husband again. I mean, I feel that's pretty standard kidnapper talk. Yeah. So, in absence of calling the cops, who do you call? Ghostbusters. And then, when they tell you that they only deal with ghosts and not kidnappings? Magnum. Yeah. Also, if you have ghosts, don't talk to Magnum. Well, he might believe in it. Remote viewing. Who knows? We go to Magnum. Who's doing his taxes. He is literally doing like the, the black books. I'm doing my tax scene. <laughs> He's got like the crumpled up receipts like scattered all over a coffee table. And TC is looking very concerned because TC has a much better handle on taxation law than Magnum and is like, ooh. And, and you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. He's like, you can't do that line. This is all a mess. You've got receipts spread out everywhere. Like, TC is laughing at him, but also, like, trying to assist. And then Higgins comes in and tells Magnum that somebody is there to see him. And as soon as Magnum leaves, TC, like, picks up the pencil and is like, no, 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 no. Uh, TC yeah. is doing Magnum a solid. Yeah. Magnum goes to see Mitsu, or Mitsu, as he keeps saying through the whole episode. And uh, doesn't, doesn't Mitsu mean water? According to a quick Google search, uh, Mitsu is a Japanese baby name. M-I-T-S-U is a Japanese baby name, meaning um, sort of shine or reflection. Mizu means water. My bad. Yeah, Mizu is very close. My bad. He walks in, says hi, kisses her on the cheek. They obviously know each other. She tells him that Dick McWilliams has been kidnapped and that she needs Magnum's help. So they drive back to the McWilliams residence which is real swanky it's real nice it's big an incredible view of downtown honolulu as magnum says in his narration the number one rule when dealing with a kidnapping is never phone the police and of course the number two rule of kidnapping is always call the police he says basically you flip a coin and do your best here's the deal graham the unlikely event that i'm kidnapped i would like you to call the police even if they say don't call the police well, of course they're going to say don't call the police. They're criminals. Yeah, exactly. Why would they call, want you to call the police? Call the police. If I was kidnapping someone, that's one of the first things I'd say. If you get kidnapped, I'm calling the police even, the, even if they say not to. Yeah, please do. The police have the resources to solve this kind of thing. You think I'm going to listen to you? You just kidnapped my wife. Yeah, you don't have my best interests at heart. I think the police are high on the list of people to call. Magnum finds another interested party at the McWilliams residence, Nishimoto. Nishimoto? That is Mitsu's dad. Oh. Who's very Japanese. He looks very young to be her dad. He looks like he's in his 50s. 
And she doesn't look that old either. I mean, maybe he's just, like, aged really well. John Fujioka was 56 when they filmed this. Oh, wow. So he just looks real good for his age. Mm -hmm. Fresh. Very fresh. Very unwrinkled. Also, notably, the old, bald Japanese man with a mustache is not being played by Seth Sakai, who has already played the old Japanese man with a mustache in two episodes of Magnum and will again in the future. But not today. But not today. Not today. Though they do both have roles in Pearl Harbor. What, the movie? Yeah, the Michael Bay movie. That scans. John Fujioka was also in the movie of Mortal Kombat. He was in two episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger. Is he still alive? According to IMDb, much like Seth Sakai, though, he's had a long career of playing different random Asian men. He had a recurring role as Kevin in the TV series The Last Resort in 1979. But apart from that, he was in five different episodes of Kung Fu, the series, as different characters. Wow. And can I tell you all the characters he has played in the 1960 television series McHale's Navy? Yes. The Japanese lieutenant, the Japanese radio man, the Japanese officer, the Japanese admiral, the first Japanese soldier, the Japanese captain, and the Japanese aide. I'm sensing a theme here. Okay, John, your role is... You're Japanese. What a stretch. Oh, and what's his role in this episode of Magnum P.I.? Japanese dad? Yeah, traditional Japanese dad who doesn't like white people. It's not that he doesn't like white people. He disapproves of his daughter's husband. Well, he disapproves... Well, according to her, he's upset that she married a not-Japanese man. So it's a little like that. He even says that he wouldn't be sad if they don't find dick mcwilliams i mean it makes it very suspicious immediately doesn't it yeah even though the aqua farm which was all dick's idea has made the family a lot of money nishimoto hand waves this by saying well he just took someone else's idea and applied it to what we were doing to our existing fishing business so you know which is sort of like yeah that's that's how business works that's what capitalism is that's how this whole system yeah, goes. There's no points for originality, just success. Yeah. The points, by the way, are money. Yeah. Yeah, if I could get money points for originality, I would be so wealthy. I'm a very original person. I'm unique. I have a gift. I mean, all we do at Loading Ready Run is take t-shirts and put our funny things on them and sell them, which is, you know, I mean, why bother at that point? Other people have thought of the idea of selling funny t-shirts. I mean, t-shirts have already been invented. We don't need to... Anyhow. It's a weird objection, is what I'm saying. I feel like it's the kind of objection that you come up with when you don't like the person anyhow and you're looking for a reason to object. Yeah, it, it, it really feels like that in the scene. It makes me immediately suspicious. Yeah. Anyway, Magnum looks around the place. He sees there's like a taxidermied turtle that uh, apparently was a heck of a thing to catch. There's a, there's a photo there, actually, of Dick McWilliams and this big Hawaiian friend of his uh, with the turtle after they caught it. There's a picture of Nishimoto doing, like, kung fu poses. Or maybe some sort of Japanese martial arts poses because he's Japanese. That would make more sense, but I bet it's not based on a real Japanese martial art. Oh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm not ne- being neither fair. Neither of us are martial arts experts, though, so we'll just gloss over that. Sure. So basically, here's the deal. Magnum is going to come and listen in, and when the kidnappers make their ransom demands, he is going to basically figure out how to deal with that. And they phone, and their ransom demands are as follows. Put $500,000 in a crate 
drive out to the banana plantation, leave the crate at the side of the road, and be gone. See, also, don't involve the police. Yeah, okay, so $500,000 is a lot of money today. That's a ton of money in 1980. Yep. So, that's a lot. And apparently, this family is wealthy enough that they can just be like, sure, we can get you $500,000 by tomorrow. Yeah, Magnum asks Mitsu, can you raise that much money by tomorrow without involving your dad? And she says yes. How? I don't know. That's very impressive. Good for them. I, I mean, mean have, you, have, you, have you seen their house? Business is good, I guess. It's amazing. They, that, that aqua farm, though. They got a lot of liquid assets. Oh, my God. I've been waiting to make that joke for 10 minutes. You could have waited, you know, until we'd stopped recording. An eternity? Until the sun winked out and the last life extinguished from the solar system? Maybe then. Then my soul can scream into the abyss, They've got a lot of liquid assets. <laughs> um, Magnum returns to Robin's Nest, where Rick is now watching TC do Magnum's taxes. They look a lot more organized than when Magnum left, though. Yeah, they really do. And they're trying to figure out how to make more deductions for Magnum. Yeah, Rick. Rick knows how deductions work when you're when you're a independent business person. He's like, hey, if the client comes over and sits on the couch. That couch is a business expense. If the client, uh, you know, if he's dr- dr- driving the client around, gas is a business expense. And let's talk about the bed. TC's like, why is the bed a business expense? Rick says, entertainment. I feel like that does not fly with the auditors. But the the gas and if uh, Magnum paid rent, which he does not, the a portion of rent, yeah, yeah, a portion at least of rent in Canada. That's how it works. You get to uh, you get to deduct a portion of your rent based on the size of your home office. Yeah. Uh, however, but yeah, like the gas, all of all of his chopper bills for TC, those are all business expenses. Yep. The thing is, if you only do it on IOU and you never get a proper receipt, then you have nothing to claim. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually. Good point. Anyway, Magnum shows up, says he needs their help to deliver half a million dollars, and away they go. Rick is scouting out the drop in the bushes. He basically has a pair of binoculars and a walkie-talkie. He's probably getting eaten by a lot of bugs. Yeah. He's watching the crate through some binoculars, and then this orange Jeep comes up. It's the same guy as before. Picks up the crate. They, the Jeep drives off. The thing is, the Jeep has no license plates. He also calls it a Bronco. Is it a Jeep? It's a Jeep. Is it whatever? Well, it's just funny that he calls it a yellow Bronco and it's an orange Jeep. It is an orange Jeep. Yeah. It is not a yellow Bronco. No. I missed that. Yeah. It's weird. It's just a weird. It's like, all right, sure, whatever TV show, go for it. We, we'll we'll go. Maybe with you it was in the turn. script as yellow Bronco, and then they only could get an orange Jeep when I, they actually went to film it. I assume that's what happened. I don't know why. You, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, Magnum and TC are, of course, in the Island Hoppers helicopter because then they're going to follow this yellow orange jabronco and see where it's going and see where it's going thus begins the stupidest car chase i've ever seen it's like the least subtle i've how do you not notice you're being tailed by, by a low helicopter? flying helicopter it's not yeah low flying it's maybe 50 feet off the ground keeping pace i would that would weird me out if i was a kidnapper like it's like seven cars back. It would be less suspicious to be tailed by the police. Because <laughs> you could maybe think, oh, maybe they're just following someone else. No. Maybe it's a routine road check. It's a helicopter. Something. Sure, it's not a big helicopter, but still. Well, either the kidnapper did in fact hear this or more likely had planned for this possible thing to happen, disappears into a tunnel, doesn't come out the other side. Magnum and TC are very confused. They lower the helicopter down and see that the 
yellow orange Jabronco has been abandoned in the tunnel and they've switched to another car, which seems very dangerous. Parking a car in the tunnel. Look, these people are kidnappers, Graham. They have no respect for the law. They certainly don't have any respect for traffic flow. Fair enough. And so they've got to be in one of the cars that just came out of the tunnel. So Magnum and TC chase after them and write down all the license plates they can so they can trace them later. It seems like a solid plan. Nishimoto doesn't think so. He also resents Magnum's continued involvement. Well, as far as Nishimoto is concerned, if Dick McWilliams never turns up again, it's too soon. So we cut to Rick and TC at the King Kamehameha Club, continuing to run through other names that are related to the various license plates. Because Rick, you see, has a contact at the police station by the name of Shaky. Apparently, he will later have an informant named Ice Pick. Oh, Ice Pick's important. But at this stage in the series, his contact is named Shaky. And he works at the HPD. That's the Honolulu Police Department. Yeah. In case you didn't get that. Rick also has a real nasty black eye. But he won't tell TC how he got it. No. That will be revealed later. It's Apparently hilarious. one of the people he was chasing down gave him this black eye, but he won't say which one it was. Yeah. Basically what they're doing is eliminating the least likely candidates from the list. Like the guy who is a cop. They're like, it probably wasn't a cop that did this. I mean, I don't know about that. Didn't we have like two episodes ago, a cop murdered somebody? Well, they don't think it's a copsman. They, they end up narrowing down this list of seven to two people, and Magnum goes to investigate it. He meets Gloria, who is daytime drunk at home. Real daytime drunk. Yep. And he's asking about her car. And she's like, I ain't driving it because I can't afford the gas. And he's like, well, I saw your car driving away from a kidnapping yesterday. And Gloria says, oh, no, it must be. Oh, no, no why? No. And she's sort of rambling. And she he, is daytime drunk. She pours herself like a, maybe, like a tall glass of gin. Daytime drunk, I think we're being a little uh, generous. Daytime drunk is like when. If I was to like, go to the bar and have a cocktail or two. And, like with the girls, right? Yes, because I do that all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing. It's like Sex in the City drunk. Yeah, Gloria is daytime smashed. Yeah, when I say she's pouring herself like a juice glass of gin, straight gin, <laughs> twelve ounces of pure juniper juice. Wow. But she mentions Kaolo, who's her husband, I guess. The love of her life. Yeah. Long-term boyfriend but sometimes uses her car without asking. Magnum looks around the room and finds not only a picture of Kaolo, but the same picture of Kaolo and Dick McWilliams and this, this turtle that's at the McWilliams house that Magnum saw earlier. I mean, it's convenient that he made an exact copy of this photo for his friend. You know what else is convenient? What? So we find out that Kaolo and Dick have been fishing buddies for many years. And yet, Mitsu doesn't recognize him through the pantyhose. No. Doesn't recognize his voice. Doesn't recognize his voice when he phones. Mm -hmm. And doesn't recognize Gloria's car. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. That's a little sort of like, <clears throat> television. Yeah. This is one of those episodes that uh, sort of falls apart when you think about it. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention one. I'm sorry. The cop that TC and Rick were talking about specifically... Oh, yeah, it's a Hawaii Five-0 reference, isn't it? Yeah, it's McGarrett from, from Hawaii Five-0. 
They're like, oh, there's this cop, but he's not the man. And Rick's like, what's his name? And TC's like, McGarrett. And T- Rick has like this look on his face. So that's why they don't suspect it's him. Because they're like, oh, that's the guy from that other TV show. It can't be him. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's fine. He's <laughs> anyway, on the up and ups. Yeah. So. Magnum now has a new theory. And it's a good theory. It's a solid theory. That Dick kidnapped himself. Or got Keolo to kidnap him. Kidnap in heavy air quotes. Yeah. And he talks to Higgins about how much money Dick might have made last year. With this amazing aqua farm. And it turns out an ass ton. And he's just going to get taken to the cleaners by tax. Because it's tax time. Because we established it's tax time. But man, do you know what you could do with $500,000 million, uh, $500, of tax-free money? Was that? You could go and do a lot of fishing. And not pay tax on it. All right. That's a fair, fair theory. Magnum's only concern is he hopes that Mitsu isn't in on this. So he goes to talk to Mitsu. And questions her pretty vigorously and is pretty convinced that she is not in on this. Mitsu's dad, however. Yeah, Nishimoto is pissed because he, he didn't like Dick to begin with. And Mitsu's basically spent this entire marriage trying to get her family or her dad anyway to accept this guy and now magnum's just come in and been like hey i have this theory that dick mcwilliams sucks ass and nishimoto's like great i'm on it. board i'm with you 100 percent." i knew he sucked ass so oh yeah there's a long weird awkward flashback of uh patrick rothfuss and his hot asian wife <laughs> i don't know what this scene is in aid of it's I think just it's to, to give her a personality and show that they actually love each other. Well, and her family didn't turn up for the wedding. This is way before then. Yeah, this, this not was really way important. earlier in the episode, and it's not important because no, nothing Yeah, he happens. carries her. They're married. He's wearing a powder blue tuxedo, as, as you do. He carries her across the threshold, complains about how much she weighs, which is, I don't know, always romantic. It was done in a joking way. Well, she laughed. You didn't hear me say anything there because I was just, like, giving the, don't even joke about it. Don't because it, it was it was joking but still rude. They were probably both very drunk. Eh. Well, he was. He said that it would have been a shame to let all that champagne go to waste. Eh. Well, I guess if he's that drunk, he's probably not getting laid on his wedding night anyhow. Oh, oh don't drink too much; it'll go soft. Uh, <laughs> life hacks. Uh, <laughs> That's not a life hack. Look, everything has a life hack nowadays. You can't just sit call things good advice on the internet. You have to market it as a life hack, otherwise people won't read it. Life hack, if you put bread in somewhere hot, you can make toast. Oh, wait, no, Graham, life hack. You put some avocado on that toast, it's delicious. See, that's a, that's a way to hack avocados and toast together. Life hack, put some salt on your avocado. Life hack, if you wash your hands after you poop. You don't get sick. You don't get foodborne illness because you're not touching what used to be food. <laughs> Check out this sick life hack. Wake up in the morning. <laughs> it lets you get so much shit done <laughs> that you wouldn't normally do because you'd be in bed. Life hack. Yeah, if you just sleep all day, you're never going to get anything done. But with this one cool trick. Oh, but life hack, though. You know what you can do? Is if you were really tired, you can stay in bed. You get less stuff done, but you feel better. Life hack. No, but wait, though. Life hack. Make sure to go back to sleep at the end of the day. Yeah, life hack. Sleep once a day. Life hack, maybe more than once if you didn't get as much sleep the night before as you wanted. Yeah, life hack, sometimes you can sleep in the middle of the day. It's called a nap. (laughs) We should probably get back to the episode. Life hack, sometimes Magnum episodes are not very good. (laughs) Skip watching them. 
Yeah, if I was putting together a must-watch, one of those like definitive, like how to get the most out of this television series, the taking of Dick McWilliams would not be on my list. Life hack. Life hack. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Where were we? All right. Uh, Nishimoto thinks that Dick sucks ass. I mean, he kind of does. Yeah, he's being a real piece of shit. Well, we go to now his like fishing shack on a beach somewhere where Kaholo is like, "Hey, man." Um, some big dude like came around and was hassling Gloria about you and Dick's like whatever who cares we're at this fishing shack that no one can find I'll be fine it's cool we've got the money I'll just we'll lay low for a bit and then I'm gonna take off and Kaolo's like well why don't you just go back to your wife and now you've got the 500 grand just be like oops lol I got away it's fine and Dick's like no the problem is is I'm like an ass. I'm a womanizing butthole, and I stopped womanizing when I married her because I did love her, and maybe I do kind of still, but I want to kind of start womanizing again, and I don't want to hurt her in that way. So instead, I'm going to hurt her in the way of where I get kidnapped and I'm never seen again. Life hack, that's worse. To just disappear and have your wife think that you are murdered and... And you, take $500,000 of her money. I mean, aside from the $500,000... The constant fear that you will see their body wash up on shore. That's not nothing. In Life wow. hack. That's not nothing. That's really dark. In now, Koholo says, I think whoever this was was waving a gun in her face because she kept saying something about a magnum. This is the first time in the series that the fact that Magnum's last name is the name of a gun has ever been mentioned. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like Koholo is not dumb. I feel, I feel like Gloria being daytime super drunk is not recounting the facts very well. Yeah. Dick, of course, knows who this is. I don't know why Dick didn't pick up on this when Kaholo said this tall buff dude with a mustache was looking around. I don't know why Dick wasn't like, oh, of course it's Magnum. Graham, it's the 80s. So many mustaches. But he knows the guy. He knows Mitsu knows the guy. And he knows the guy is a private investigator. The less you think about the episode, the more sense it makes. Life hack. So, Koholo's going to go away with his cut, which is $100,000, by the way. And Dick's just going to wait it out for a few days longer in the fishing shack. And he's sure that everything will be fine. Nishimoto and Mitsu are like, Magnum, just go away. You've done enough. We'll pay you. We don't want to talk to you anymore. It's done with whatever. So, Magnum is all sad and goes and sits on a rocky beach. And Higgins walks over and says that if Magnum's going to cast himself into the sea, could he do it on someone else's beach? I mean, that's not necessarily an inconsiderate thing to ask of your house guests. <laughs> this is actually, this is by, by the way, this is by far the best scene in the episode. Yes. This is a really, really good scene. It basically, Higgins is using one of his meandering war travelogues to give Magnum advice while at the same time vehemently denying that he is in any way helping Magnum or giving him advice. It's just, it's a nice little scene. It's a good bit of the dynamic between Magnum and Higgins. This, like, weirdly... Somewhat antagonistic. This antagonistic but caring, tenuous relationship that they have. Yeah. The rest of the episode can go live in a fish shack, for all I care. This, But this scene's good. So, re-energized of purpose. Yes, because the the story that he tells, by the way, 
is uh, when Higgins was in uh, Mandalay when Burma gained its independence and one of the lads was kidnapped because of his involvement with the daughter of an oriental tea merchant. It's one of the one of the guys he was serving with. Not Zeus or Apollo, who, whom he also calls the lads, who are also not in this episode, but that doesn't matter. As an aide to the former British governor, Higgins wanted to investigate it, but it was out of his jurisdiction, and the local authorities eventually found the guy's decomposed body, which sucked not only because for obvious reasons, but also because he was the finest cricket player in the regiment. But Higgins points out that Magnum has the jurisdiction, because there's no one stopping him from continuing to investigate this case, and maybe he can help in a way that isn't bad. Thus re-energized of purpose, Magnum goes out and starts to investigate the fishing angle. He finds the boat that Dick and Koholo like to charter and take out on fishing trips, and he talks to the lady who owns the boat, who is complaining that it's all falling apart and the engine's gone to pot, and says, hey, if you take them out, where do they stay? And she's like, oh, I really could use some money. And then he bribes her, and she's like, oh, they stayed in this shack on the... On one of these islands. And he's like, which island? And she's like, I don't know, you know, these islands. Turns out there's 13 islands. There's 13 of that particular island, and TC is really annoyed about having to hop over all 13 of these islands, to which Magnum says, yeah, that's the name of your service, right? Island Hoppers, which really, TC set himself up for that. Yeah. TC says, yeah, I'm thinking about changing my name to Magnum's Taxi Service. TC should remember to issue Magnum a receipt. He really should. You can't claim it on your taxes otherwise. Yeah, you need the paperwork. Eventually, after a montage of cool helicopter maneuvering and Magnum and TC looking around through binoculars, they eventually spot yet another shack, because apparently fishing shacks are a thing. They set the helicopter down, and they check inside this one, like the 20th one or something like that. Like, they've they've looked at a lot of shacks. Yeah. And uh, it's the right shack. But it's the wrong time. Yeah, because Dick McWilliams is in there, and Dick McWilliams is dead. What? Oh no, it must have been his friend. It must have been Koholo who killed him for the rest of the money. So they rush back to Gloria's place because Rick has been watching it and found out that Koholo has come back in through the back door and he's keeping an eye on it. And indeed, Koholo's there packing a bunch of money into a suitcase. And Gloria's like, what are we going to name the farm? And Koholo's like, "I what? I don't care. And Gloria says... Can we call it Gloria's Farm? And Koholo says, sure, that's fine. And Gloria says, that's great. I wanted to do Gloria's Farm. She wants to start an orchid farm. She doesn't actually sound as drunk as I'm making her sound in this scene. But it's like, hey, what are we going to call the farm? Can we call it Gloria's Farm? I want to call it Gloria's Farm. And Koholo's like, I don't care what we call it. Can you please pack your bag? Life hack, if you're running on the road because you have $100,000 in ill-gotten money, maybe work out those farm name details later. And indeed, after Magnum knocks at the door and Koholo jumps out the back window and TC catches him around the side of the house and throws him into the building and they look inside his bag, he does only have $100,000. He only has his cut. Interesting. Interesting. So they, But they turn him into the police anyhow. And Magnum has another theory, which we sort of saw coming but he goes back to the mcwilliams house where nishimoto has just presented mitsu with a knife and she's gone off you don't really see it's a knife right away they're just doing something sort of ceremonial in japanese but spoiler it's a knife yeah and magnum shows up and indeed nishimoto 
killed Dick McWilliams. But he hadn't meant to. He just wanted to go and talk. But then Dick didn't listen to him because Dick has never listened to him. And he started to attack him. And then Yishimoto fought back. And then, oops, I guess I killed him. So Magnum asks where Mitsu is. And Ishimoto says... She has brought great shame to our family. Another tip-off that the, that seppuku is coming is they're both wearing all white, which is the traditional Buddhist color of mourning. This is 1981. The whole she has brought great shame to our family and such should kill herself thing doesn't fly for me. No, it's, this seems she's ridiculous. Going, you see that she's going to kill herself. She's, she's preparing for ritual suicide. Ritual suicide, like, that wasn't a thing in 1981, was it? I'm sure... Some people commit ritual suicide even today, but I feel like if you're going to commit suicide, you're not going to do it in the white kimono. Well, okay, here, let me just describe. So what she's doing is she's actually, this is surprisingly accurate as we discovered upon looking this up. But seppuku is the bit where you like you, you slice your guts open. And you, you disembowel like, yourself. Yeah, you stab yourself in the guts and then maybe if you're lucky, someone will cut your head off after you disembowel yourself. But that's Correct. not that's not what she was doing. No, she was doing uh, jigai, uh, which is uh, the female version of Japanese ritual suicide. I uh, did not know that there was a female version of Japanese ritual suicide. Basically, what you do is you put on a nice kimono because you want to look nice, and then you tie your legs together, which we actually see her doing, but, the, you know, you don't. they don't like really call she's, it out. Like she's kneeling, and you put the uh, sash or whatever under your shins and over the top of your thighs. Yeah, and you do that because uh, when you die... You might spasm or like twitch or something like that. And you want to be in a polite and ladylike pose. You don't want anybody to see your underdrawers or something. You're going to have blood all over your white kimono, but you don't want to get found in an embarrassing position. Uh, it, uh, anyhow, uh, and uh, you take this sort of dagger and uh, what you do is you uh, commit suicide, not by doing the stomach thing, but you cut the arteries of the neck with one stroke. Uh, I guess it's a it's a knife. It's a tanto or a kaiken, according to Wikipedia, are the types of knives that you should use for this. Life hack, don't do this. Basically, this sort of female version of suicide was developed because, you know, back in the feudal era with samurai and stuff like that, uh, sometimes women would have to commit ritual suicide because if their homes were about to be captured, they didn't want to be taken as a prisoner of war and raped. So they actually taught little girls how to do this for safety you know that episode of game of thrones where they're being like they're being sieged upon and they're like sort of preparing the the all the girls to be murdered so they're not gonna have a fate worse than death it's basically that now according to wikipedia at least what women is this ceremonial suicide for uh, for some women belonging to samurai families, or like the wives of samurai. Yeah, no way does Nishimoto respect Dick McWilliams enough to consider Mitsu the wife of a samurai. It This really smacks of like, oh, we've got a really traditional Japanese family, so they probably ritual suicide, right? Okay, write it. Yeah, I mean, like... It, it, it feels very forced. It's surprisingly accurate for how stupid it seems. That someone would do that in 1981 Hawaii feels like a contrivance of the television series. Maybe I'm wrong, but that really felt wrong. I thought it was dumb. Realistically, Nishimoto should be so freaking happy that he finally got McWilliams out of the picture, and then he gets his daughter back. Right? Right? Why? Right? Yeah. (laughs) Anyway... So Magnum's going to go rescue Mitsu before she kills herself, but first he has to get past Kung Fu Dad. Which he does. 
yeah because of course he knows martial arts uh, or at least um his stunt double is able to overcome nishimoto and his martial arts and uh he stops mitsu from killing herself it's weird because he's talking to her and amongst the things he says to her to basically reassure her that it's not worth killing herself and that everything's going to be okay at no point does he bring up oh by the way you're also your dad killed your husband life hack don't actually tell somebody that their dad killed their husband while they're trying to kill themselves that might be worse yeah but you should life hack probably bring it up yeah after you've disarmed them well yeah <laughs> after that scene no uh, more consequences are to be had yeah that's it we cut back to robin's nest where uh rick is making pasta sauce and tc and magnum are repeatedly hassling him about how he got this black eye and he just keeps asking them what their opinion of the pasta sauce is and eventually they get out of it that he went to talk to one of the people on the license plate list and her name was Catherine. and they ask him for her last name and rick says she didn't have a last name tc asks why didn't she have a last name rick says because she's a nun and they all have a good laugh that rick got given a massive black eye shiner by a nun named sister Catherine. But apparently she was a real big nun that that is rick's defense and that she thought that rick was trying to steal her car good on that nun and then we cut to the credits life hack if you want to get out of something just cut to the credits yeah i like i kind of want to know what happened to nishimoto i don't know like did they just sort of go well i guess that's how the cookie crumbles like i guess koholo still got his 100k well no because they turned him into the police so yeah koholo gets nothing McWilliams gets nothing, and Nishimoto's family and business probably falls apart. Hooray. All because Dick McWilliams was kind of an ass. Yeah. Mitsu McWilliams will return in a season three episode. As Mitsu? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I'm really curious to see why. Oh, I'm excited about that. Yeah. I'm not super excited about this episode. No, it wasn't great. It was okay. It's got like a 7.2 on Magnum Mania. Uh, yeah, but again, what's... That's like a six and a half in the real world, which is about what I give this episode. <laughs> Sounds good. No murders without consequence. Yep. No self-aware looks to the camera. Mm-hmm. And despite perhaps the quite stereotypical representation of Japanese people, there was no that's racist or it's an, it was another time counts, unless the other time was before the Meiji Restoration where people actually committed ritual suicide. Trivia. So overall, this episode was awful because it wasn't great and nothing exciting happened with our Magnum counts. Did have that nice scene with Higgins, though. Yeah, you could probably just watch that scene on YouTube. It was a good scene. It was a good scene. The next episode is called The Sixth Position. Ooh, Kama Sutra stuff. I don't think that's what it is, but um, I mean... Life hack, try different positions while sex. While sex. The next time you're sex... Try different position. Try position the sixth. Life hack. Put some legs on top. Put some legs on top. I was just going to say life hack. Have the sex. I mean, that's also a good life hack. It's a good hack for other life. Right? Like babies. Oh, yeah. That's how you make babies. I wasn't following you. For the creation of life. Try this one neat trick. Have sex. Oh, wait, life hack. If you want to have sex and make a baby, don't use a condom. Or poke some holes in the condom. No. <laughs> but tell your partner you're doing that. That's Why not just not... What? Why? You know what? <laughs> life hack. Don't listen to Kathleen. Don't listen to Kathleen. And further life hack. 
support our Patreon. This show and all the other shows we do are brought to you by the kind support of you, our listeners, at our Patreon at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. Uh, we really appreciate it if you check that out. So uh, until next time, Zeus, Apollo, read this article on life hacks. I actually made so many life hack jokes during the course of this episode. I have no actual hacks to dispense for my stinger. But I do want to actually mention about that avocado on toast thing. That is delicious. And if you haven't had it, you should try it. Uh, Things that you can do. uh, Put some sliced fresh tomato on top. Do a poached egg. Or uh, just have it as is and it's really tasty. You take like some good bread and then you toast it so it's real crispy in the oven. And then you smush up an avocado and spread it on top. Can we have that for dinner tonight? If I go to the store and get avocados, yes. Life hack, please go to the store and get avocados. Okay.